okay, I hope you have made it until today and you've, you're continuing to persevere. It's kind of a graduation day of sorts. We're coming to the last chapter of, of the Gospel of John, the last chapter of the four Gospel accounts in the New Testament. So it's kind of graduation day from the Gospel accounts and tomorrow we start the book of Acts. But today's reading is John chapter 21. And uh, I hope you have been uh, enriched in our journey through John's gospel. It's so rich and, and beautiful. And this last chapter presents another resurrection appearance of Jesus to his disciples. And we find Jesus restoring and forgiving Peter after his denials from chapter 18. Uh, Jesus in this chapter foretells the kind of death that Peter would die. And we read John's concluding remarks so let's briefly consider um, uh, three uh, quick things from this let's first think about fish for breakfast fish for breakfast so the first half of this chapter recounts another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to his disciples and it begins with Peter telling the others in verse 3 I'm going fishing uh, we're not told why I wouldn't read it as Peter and and some of the others returning to their old life before they met Jesus. So, I mean, remember, and Jesus had already, the risen Jesus had already appeared to them back in the last chapter. So it could be as simple as they needed to eat. <laughs> and so they went fishing for food and for sustenance. I mean, they were hungry and they were fishermen, so they knew how to get food. Uh, it could also be that they knew um, Jesus had risen from the dead, but they had not yet experienced the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, uh, empowering them for apostolic ministry that would come in Acts chapter 2. And so they were sort of carrying on life as normally as possible until that time. Whatever the reason, they went fishing. And uh, while they were about 100 yards out in the water, uh, according to verse 8, Jesus called them, called to them from the shore. And uh, they had been fishing for a long time. They hadn't caught anything. Uh, and Jesus called out and suggested that they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, verse 6. At this point, they weren't aware, kind of like Mary Magdalene. Mary, Mary didn't, she thought it was the gardener, didn't they, they recognize? Well, same here. They weren't aware that it was Jesus telling them to do this, verse 4. Um, again, possibly for a number of reasons. It was still dark. They were about 100 yards away. People were probably regularly trying to give them their two cents and so they didn't immediately assume it was Jesus etc but we're not that we're not bound to assume this it is possible that they were supernaturally prevented from uh, recognizing him momentarily but um, they probably regularly had people shouting advice to them from there uh, whenever they had an unsuccessful outing and they weren't automatically um, hesitant to try this one man's idea and cast on the other side well it was at this time that they uh, drew their nets and pulled in an incredible haul of fish um, 153 of them <laughs> uh, that's verse 11 and it was at this time that they realized that it was Jesus who had been speaking to them and commanding not only that they cast their nets on the other side but surely also directing the fish there to be caught and it was not only a demonstration of his omniscience, that is, he knew the fish were there, but also it was omnipotence that he caused them to be there. This is the last miracle that Jesus would perform in John's gospel, and it's another testimony to his deity, a theme that John emphasized in nearly every chapter. Well, in their amazement, 
the disciples uh, come back to shore only to find that Jesus had breakfast ready for them to eat. The menu? Fish. Yay. Uh, <laughs> we, we cringe at the, the thought, uh, but we need to realize that you know, we're one of the few cultures that has actually distinctly breakfast food. Most cultures eat for breakfast the same kind of food they would eat any other meal of the day. And so Jesus wasn't playing a joke or testing their ability to choke down fish for breakfast. He was uh, providing for them. And uh, he was serving them. Even in his exalted, resurrected state, the Lord Jesus served his disciples. And it's perhaps often overlooked, but this is an example of the humility of Jesus on par with his washing his disciples' feet in chapter 13. You, as you read and consider this final miracle from John's gospel, um, at least the last recorded miracle before his ascension, marvel not only at the power and knowledge of the Lord, but also in his immeasurable humility. Secondly, um, Peter is forgiven and restored. The chapter then moves on to a more well-known story, the account of Jesus forgiving and restoring Peter after his three denials of Jesus on the night when he was arrested and tried. It uh, is most likely for this reason why Jesus asks Peter in verses 15 and 16 and 17, ask him three times if he truly loves him. Each time, Peter humbly answers that he does, and the Lord knows that he does. The third time, Jesus asks him the question, um, when, when he does ask him the third time, it particularly grieves Peter. And it's not to be overlooked that while Jesus intentionally brings Peter again to a place of sorrow and repentance, he also fully forgave and restored Peter to a place of ministry and service. He charged Peter to feed and shepherd the church. And it just goes to show again that the Lord is willing to use sinful, broken vessels to do his work. In fact, if he's going to use any of us, well, sinful and broken material is all the material he has to work with. So don't wallow in your sins and failures. If you come humbly to the Lord, as Peter did in, in repentance and faith, he will fully forgive you and use you mightily for his glory. The Lord told Peter, what kind of death he would die in verses 18 and 19. History records that Peter too was crucified and died as a martyr. Nevertheless, Peter followed Jesus to the end. After Jesus had given Peter the prophecy regarding the circumstances under which he would die, Peter looked back at John and um, wanted Jesus to uh, foretell John's future. Verses 20 and 21. Peter had heard his fate and it wasn't uh, really a walk in the park and so Peter basically looked at John and basically said, well, what about him? Well, Jesus basically answered, well, none of your business. <laughs> Verse 22, the Lord has different plans for all of us, but uh, his plan for each of us is perfectly suited for each one of us for his glory. Well, the last word. It's not surprising if you have been even remotely observant thus far in John's gospel that John ends his gospel with exalted praise of the Lord Jesus, John, in a somewhat unusual and mysterious way, verses, in verses 20 through 24, reveals that he is the one whom Jesus loved. He's, he's said repeatedly uh, referred to someone throughout his gospel as the, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says, I was that guy. But he doesn't want to end the book talking about himself, so he adds at least, or adds one last verse about Jesus. Um, he declares that there were Many, many things that Jesus did 
that were not recorded in this gospel. However, were they all to be written down, the world cannot contain all the books. Verse 25. Maybe this is just hyperbole. Maybe not. After all, he's talking about the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 14 of chapter 1. And through whom the world itself was created. John's gospel is a majestic book, and it's worth reading again and again and again. We could never fully plumb the depth of it. And uh, for that, we say glory to God, and that is John chapter 21. And thus, we come to the end of John's gospel, and tomorrow uh, we begin our journey through the book of Acts. So keep persevering.